Well, I'm glad we're almost home. I can tell you I'm thankful for these men of God. I'm thankful for everything that God has done. I can assure you of this. Pastor Downs texted me and said that his flights were canceled. I started shaking in my shoes. (laughs) But God had prepared me. He gave me a word. And he said, hide this in your heart. He said, you'll minister this Tuesday night. He said, Pastor Downs won't make it. And I'm not saying that to be super spiritual. I'm just telling you what God said. Because God speaks. And I shared it with these men. And they said, you have to preach. I can assure you I didn't want to. They were kidding around. We were talking to Pastor Downs yesterday. And I said, they're coming to hear Pastor Downs. But they're going to get Brother Let down. <laughs> and, uh, but that's all right. Amen. I believe that I've heard from God for this meeting. Um, I'm nervous, I'm scared, but I'm thankful. Because here's what God told me. I said, God, I could never fill that man's shoes. He said, you're not supposed to. He said, you walk in your shoes, not his. And he asked me to do one thing. He said, you call Pastor Duke. I did at 616 right before we came in this building. And God said, I designed this on purpose. He said, his mantle will fall on you and he's not even here tonight. He said, have that man pray for you over the phone. And so that's what we did. I'm very sorry that he wasn't able to make it, and he is too, but I'm thankful that Pastor Downs even considered coming. But we had three friends, three different families from California because of the snow. They wasn't able to come. And y'all pray for our other friends. They're in Texas, uh, and some of our friends, Jeremy Prohaska in Arkansas, they're getting beat down with snow. Pastor Curtis and Sister Marlena. Texas has had a big snowstorm two times this year, and so they need prayer. Just believe in God to get them here. Amen. And so I'm just so thankful tonight. I believe God's going to help somebody. I know it's late. If there's any time you need to go, you're not going to offend me. I know it's already 820. We've had a time, but I believe God's not done. I believe that God has given me a strategic word. I believe it's going to deal with the religious. It's going to deal with those that have been saved 138 years and those that have been saved for three seconds. And I believe it's one of the greatest hindrances that keep people in bondage in the house of God. And the Holy Ghost began to deal with me and show me things about the meeting of the mantle that I never knew of. And he spoke this into my spirit. He said, Jared, he said, I will break the orphan spirit this week. I'll break the orphan spirit this week. I believe that many people that have been saved for a long time in their life are bound by an orphan spirit. One of our precious sisters shared a testimony the other night of relying on the government for specific things. And she shared her testimony and poured her heart out. And she said that Jesus said to her, you won't even let me feed you, but yet you want me to do other things for you. And there's many of us that are here that we won't even let Jesus feed us, but we want him to do everything else and we want to be seen, but we won't even let Jesus feed us. And so I just ask if you would just stretch your hands forth one more time and let's just ask God to bless his word today. His word is blessed. I just need God to speak through this vessel tonight. Father, I just thank you tonight, God. I thank you for all that you've already done and spoken in Jesus' name. Lord, we love you. We honor you tonight in this house. Lord, I pray that you would anoint me, God. Anoint these lips of clay. Lord, it's no accident, as we have said. 
God, that we're all here under one place, under one roof. Lord, I pray that I come against this fear. God, I come against this anxiety, and I ask that the Holy Ghost of God would just pour through this vessel of clay tonight in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. First Kings chapter 19, if you'll turn there, I'm going to start in verse 19. I'll read through verses 21. I'm going to read one scripture out of Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. And then I'm going to read a few passages out of Luke chapter 15. If you'll stand with me, if you can, for the reading of God's word as we honor that. First Kings chapter 19, verse 19 says this. So he departed thence, and he found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelfth. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen, and he ran after Elijah, and he said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him, and he took a yoke of oxen, and he slew them, and he boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen, and he gave unto the people, and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. Now if you'll turn with me to the book of Isaiah, I want to read one verse in chapter 10. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. And it says, and it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed. Why? Because of the anointing. Now turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 15. Now read here in verse 17, I'll begin. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Where do yokes go? On the neck. What did the father break off? The yoke. What yoke was it? The yoke of an orphan spirit. Because somebody that's really a son will identify themselves as a servant. And we become okay, I'm just here to serve. But if you're not identified with being a son or a daughter before you're a servant, then you'll be operated and controlled by a spirit of an orphan. Verse 22, but the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him. The title of my message tonight is destroying the yoke of the orphan spirit. Destroying the yoke of the orphan spirit. You may be seated. I can identify with everything that I'm going to say to you tonight because it is me. As the Spirit of God began to deal with me, this is my life. 
But if you're honest, it's probably a lot of your lives too. And if we could just move beyond the place of our pride, out of our religious and our traditions of man, I believe that many of us would be able to identify with what God is saying to the church in this hour. Amen. The first thing that I want to declare to you tonight is the meeting of the mantle. And meeting such as this, when Jesus is at home and Jesus is present, there is something that begins to happen in the spirit realm. You begin to risk relationships and rights to your own life. Amen. Let me tell you, I didn't just show up here. Amen. I didn't just show up here. And when you follow Jesus, you didn't just show up here either by accident. Amen. But you have to know when the Holy Ghost of God is moving in a meeting that when Jesus is there, that you step into risk in your life. Amen. And you not only risk relationships, but you, you risk the rights of your life to yourself. Pastor Clinton has said the fastest way to go to hell is to do what's right in your own eyes. Amen. A lot of us want to hold on to the rights to our own life. But when you show up to a meeting of the mantle, it's not about you any longer. You didn't ask for the mantle to fall upon your life. Elisha was minding on his own business, doing what his father would have him to do. But there came a day that there was a meeting of the mantle. There was a conversation going on in heaven about Elisha. And Elisha knew not what was going on. Will you turn me up a little bit where I can hear me? I need to hear me tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. My voice is trying to go out. So there was a, there was a conversation in heaven already about this man named Elisha. I said this the other night. Some of you are here tonight under the sound of my voice and there was already a conversation going on in heaven about you and you getting here this night. Amen. Elisha was plowing. He was minding his own business. Some of you showed up to this meeting. You just came minding your own business, doing what your father had asked you to do. Oh, but all of a sudden, the presence of God moved and it moved me and it moved me this way and the Holy Ghost of God began to put his finger on places in my life and I said God I'll give you everything but that I'll give you everybody in my life but him I'll give you everybody in my life but her I don't know if I can give them up well it's not about you now because now a mantle has fell upon you now a mantle has fell upon you that you wasn't even looking for you see the problem is a lot of us come to the house looking for something but sometimes some things just come upon your life and you were never even looking for it. I can tell you in 2003, when I went to jail, I wasn't looking to be a Christian. Come on, somebody. I can tell you why. When I went to jail, I wanted to get out. If y'all aren't used to Bonifay, in October, there's a big rodeo dance. Amen. 25,000 people at the rodeo dance. I'm a 140 pound meth addict dope coming out of my skin. September 19th of 2003, Henry. I'll tell you this. I was mad at my mom and my daddy. Amen. They wouldn't get me out of jail so that I could go dancing. Amen. I wasn't looking for Jesus and I didn't, I'll tell you, I wasn't wanting to be a Christian. I wasn't wanting to get out of jail. I was wanting to get out of jail for one thing. That wasn't to go to a drug program and get my life right. I said I was just wanting to get out so 
I could go get drunk and go get high. But all of a sudden, somebody came in that jail. I tell you, God sent somebody to come into that jail. I wasn't looking for him. I wasn't asking for him. But when the pastors got that up, when they came by, a mantle fell upon my life that I wasn't looking for. Leslie, there's been conversations going on in heaven about you, girl. (laughs) You can't even imagine what God's been saying about you. (laughs) Things you you can't even fathom. (laughs) Your mom and your daddy can't even tell you the things God's been saying. You're so special to him. Oh, oh. You don't even know. I said, I wasn't looking for Jesus when I went to jail. I was looking for a way out. But Jesus was looking for me. <laughs> Them three pastors came by. They brought the word of the Lord. I'm telling you. I had a pair of striped suits on, orange flip flops. You better wear them flip flops to get in the shower in jail. Amen. Anybody ever been to jail in here? Am I the only one? Some of y'all was looking at me like Brother Mike. Say, hey. <laughs> I ain't listening to him. I just lost half of you. Amen. That's the religious crowd. <laughs> I just lost the religious crowd. Y'all ain't listening to no dope head, are you? <laughs> Hallelujah. I said I wasn't looking for a man. I wasn't looking for Jesus. I didn't care about Jesus. Amen. I didn't want to live for him. I'm telling you, I didn't want nothing to do with it. I just wanted to get high again. Come on. Some of you just want to do what you wanted to do too sometimes. <laughs> but three pastors came by. They brought the word of the Lord. And when they brought the word of the Lord, there were three scriptures. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. How many of you know that? Hey Amen. A lot of you live by that. Romans 8, 28. God will cause all things to work together for good for those that love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Jeremiah 29, 11. You know what that is? That God has a plan and a purpose for you. That he would pull you out of bondage. <laughs> Plans of hope and plans of a future. And you know what I said, Leslie, whenever they brought that to me and I went back, I gave my life to the Lord. I still had the prison garments on. I said, I still had the prison garments on, but there was a spiritual mantle. I said, there was a mantle that was placed upon me. The purpose and the plan of God was draped upon my back. God said to me out of Romans 8, 28, everything you've walked through, everything you've been through, I'm going to use for my glory. I know what it looks like right now, but I'm going to wash it in my blood. I'm going to wash it in my blood. You wasn't looking for a mantle, but the mantle came looking for you. Hallelujah. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Some of you didn't come to this house looking for a mantle. You just thought it was a neat little subtitle. Elisha's just plowed. Oh, yeah. He's just minding his own business. Some of you have been doing that in church your whole life. Same old oxen. You ain't seen nothing new in life in years. Come on. You been there? You know somebody like that? Don't, don't talk about them either. 
I'm talking about? Oh, I'm putting my hair to the plow. I'm not looking back. You like them hard places. Yeah. We like it hard. You don't. You know what chef means? The lawgiver. Lawful. Plowing in the hard places. Some of us are so stuck on the letter. We're so bound by the law that we don't even know what freedom is in the grace of God. Don't you try to get me out of this hard place. This new generation, the way they do things. Was that wrong? <laughs> I said, I was looking for a mantle, but the mantle came looking for me. Then, the, then they gave me one more scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. You'll comfort others with the same comfort you yourselves have been comforted. <laughs> and they said, you, they said to me, God's going to use everything you've been through to bring comfort to other people. And I said, me? God would use me to bring comfort to somebody else? Well, let me tell you what. I've had phone calls at 3.33 in the morning. And these people wouldn't want somebody to counsel them. They was wanting somebody that's been there before. I got a needle in my arm. I got a pipe in my hand. My mama, my daddy, my God. I got somebody. And they said, give me somebody that's been where I've been. And the scripture began to come to life. You'll comfort others with the same comfort you yourself have been comforted of. I said, I wasn't looking for a mantle. But it came looking for me. Amen. I lost my father about seven years ago. If you've never lost your dad, then it's hard to comfort somebody that has. Amen. It's hard. I can tell you, religion tried to kill me. When I got baptized in the Holy Ghost at Central Pentecostal many years back, I went back to three Baptist preachers. You know what they told me? It was demonic. It was of the devil. I just got out of a drug program after five years. I didn't have a pastor. They told me what I'd experienced was of the devil. I'd fall flat on my face and never make it. They just wanted to take a mantle off of me. I received a mantle in jail, but I received another mantle at Central Pentecostal. <laughs> I received another mantle. Amen. When I was there, amen. The Holy Ghost said, I'm doing something different in you. Pastor Shoots whispered in my ear. He said, boy, he said, he'll hate your guts in you. Oh, if I only knew the reality of that statement at that moment. I said, I wasn't looking for that mantle, Leslie. You didn't come here wanting this mantle tonight either. But God's fixing to give it to you. God's given you compassion for children. You've seen pain even through your little girl's eyes. And so that very pain that you see in her eyes, tonight the Lord says, you're going to comfort others. With the same comfort that you've been comforted with. You've been afraid to come back to the Father's house because you thought that he would hurt you, reject you, and abuse you. But instead, he's going to clothe you. Hey! 
Because the call of God is irrevocable. And you've known since you were a little girl, the call was evident upon your life. You've heard the whisper of Jesus in your ear for a long time and you've tried to drown it out. But he's speaking loud to you right now in front of everybody here. Lift your hands up higher like you mean it. Let the Holy Ghost pray. Let the Holy Ghost pray. Put your hand up there. Let the Holy Ghost pray. Out of your belly shout for us. Come on. Come on. Come on, church. Hallelujah. Some of you is going to get mantles tonight in this house. You didn't come here looking for them, but the Holy Ghost came to your field, and he's going to place it on you. Go ahead, Leslie. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. That's the Holy Ghost right there. Go ahead. That's it. Go ahead. Out of your belly. Hallelujah. I've been in a position, and I told our leadership this the other day. I don't know why sometimes I get put in the middle of things that I don't like. I didn't ask for them. But will you choose Jesus or are you going to choose them? But Lord, these are some of my greatest preacher friends. But if you choose this mantle, if you choose this, and if you receive this mantle and walk in it, you risk them. And I said, but Jesus, I didn't ask for this. He said, I know you didn't, but I've called you to this. And I trust you with this. The reason some of us don't receive mantles is because we can't be trusted to leave everything and follow and serve. Some things, Pastor Lee, we have to be the middleman because he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. You see, Jesus was in the middle of two thieves. There had to be an answer in the middle. One chose life, one chose death. Sometimes Jesus will put a mantle on you and put you right in the middle so that reconciliation can take place. But are we willing to risk relationships in our life to follow Jesus with the mantle that he puts upon our life. See, when the mantle came, my God, are you willing to risk the relationships? <laughs> you see, when the mantle fell upon Elisha, he said, let me go back. Let me kiss my mom and my dad. Let me go back. You see, there was 11 other men. How many is right here? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Y'all three, y'all stand up. Well, yeah, come on, Carrie, stand up. Y'all give Carrie a hand right here. <laughs> line up right here. Just kind of line up. Is that 11 right there? Is that 11 people? Somebody help. 11. So the Bible says there was 12 yoke of oxen, right? And it says that Elisha was in the back. So that means he had 11 more in front of him. And when the mantle hit him, he had to be willing to let go of all 11 relationships. <laughs> because the mantle has fell upon him now. Not only do I have to kiss mom and daddy by, but I have to kiss every one of these relationships by. 
I've worked with these people my whole life. I've been in ministry with these people my whole life. And you mean now that a mantle falls upon me, I got to leave them? If that's what Jesus said, are you willing? Are you willing to risk the relationships that we think we can't live without? You can be seated. Thank you all. Meetings like this. And whenever you meet with Jesus, you risk relationships. You risk familiar things. You risk finances. What are you saying, preacher? Well, let's look to the New Testament. Say, get out of the old, all right? Well, let's get to the new. There were some men that were fishing one day, minding their own business. There came this stranger that walked up, and guess who his name was? Jesus. Guess who they were fishing in the boat with? Their father, their brothers, their family. Guess how they made their living? By fishing. Guess what they got up and did every day? They went fishing. Guess what they knew how to do? They knew how to fish. So when Jesus showed up, they had to risk relationships from who? Their family. They had to risk familiarity. Some of you so comfortable, you've been in the same place with Jesus for 139 years. And But when Jesus shows up and calls you from the seashore, some of you so stuck because you're stuck with your finances, you're stuck with the familiar things, but a meeting like this, with the manifolds. It's going to require you and I to begin to give up some things and risk some people that aren't supposed to be in our life any longer. Hallelujah. You risk relationships. You risk financial gain at times. Amen. You have to give up some things to follow God. Sometimes. Now, will God take care of us? You better believe he will. Will he take care of you if you stay in that place he may not, or he may bless you even more financially, but what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world but lose his own soul? I said meetings like this could cause you to risk relationships and rights to yourself. I wonder how many of you came up in here tonight and stuck in your religion. You said, I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I'm stuck in this relationship. Ain't no way I'm leaving that relationship. Oh, no. Ain't no way I'm leaving that place. Ain't no way I may hurt them. I may do something. Security, this is all I've ever known. I don't know what I would do outside of this. I don't know how I'm going to make it if I leave this job. I don't know what I'm going to do. Anybody ever been there? I'm telling you, meetings like this brings you to a crossroads to where you've got to make a decision. Some of you thought that somebody else would be preaching here tonight. Oh, but you came anyway. Now there's a mantle. There's a mantle. Things that you weren't asking for, but the mantle's going to come upon some of you tonight in this house. Some of you's going to have to leave some people behind. You're going to say, let me go kiss them one more time. I can tell you this, you better be careful who you run back to. <laughs> because you may just go back and kiss the devil. <laughs> Meetings like this, amen, cause you to risk a lot of things. Amen. I said they cause you to miss. It cause you to risk a lot of things. Amen. Mantles you didn't ask for, they come. Can I tell you that whenever the mantle falls upon your life, can I tell you that sometimes it's a lonely walk. Joseph didn't ask for the mantle that his father gave him, the coat of many colors. Amen. But I can tell you that they abandoned him. Amen. A lot of people don't like when the mantle falls upon your life. When that mantle comes, amen, it's going to cause you to risk relationships. It did Joseph, but it didn't stop him either. 
He kept going and he kept going and he kept going. Amen. So the first thing is meeting such as this with the Spirit of God is there and Jesus is there. I'm telling you, you risk relationships. You risk rights to your own life. Are you willing tonight to obey when the mantle falls upon your life? Are you willing to obey that? The second thing I want to tell you about tonight is the mantle. If you're taking notes, I want you to write these three things down. Hold the mantle. What does the mantle even mean? Three things I want to give you. The, the mantle could mean the anointing. The mantle can mean authority. And the third thing, the mantle can mean adoption. Y'all stay with me. I won't keep you much longer. Amen. Don't go to sleep yet. We're about to get to the good part. Amen. I said we're about to get to the good stuff, I pray. So the mantle can have a threefold purpose. Anointing, authority, and adoption. We read Isaiah chapter 10 Verse 27, and the Bible says that the anointing breaks the yoke. Amen. And I thank God. I remember that Tuesday morning of camp meeting. I'd never heard a Pentecostal man preach. Amen. I went down there. All I knew was I was in jail. I was a dopehead. I was a drug addict. I told you I wasn't looking for God. And they sent me to a program. I gave my life to the Lord. I learned how to hear his voice. But then I came back to Bonifay. We got married in First Baptist Church. Not saying anything's wrong there. But I'm telling you. God had another plan whenever I got born again God asked me this question cause when I was lost I rode a bicycle with two flat tires two miles to use the pay phone to get a hit of dope and when I got saved Jesus said son will you follow me with that same heart and I said God if I don't I'll surely die he said exactly you will boy and so I can tell you when I showed up to camp meeting on a Tuesday morning Pastor Clinton was preaching brother was there and brother shoes I didn't know what I was being drawn by but I felt like that finger touched the end of my nose and pulled me down to that altar and when I got there something came upon me and began to feel me that I'd never felt before I said I felt the anointing Pastor Lee I said my God what is this I said what is this I didn't care who preached that day I felt something that I'd never felt before in my life and I knew that anointing was drawing me. Somebody stand to your feet and give God praise in this house. Hallelujah. Let me tell you this. What is the anointing? I'm glad you asked. It means to grow beyond the limitations of the yoke. What is the anointing? It means that I grow beyond the limitations of the yoke. <laughs> Let the influence of your anointing become greater than the influence of the yoke. My God, some of you's been held back. Some of you's been put down. Some of you's been beat down. And it's time that we get an old-timey Pentecostal anointing to fall upon our necks and break the yoke of bondage. You look at that word anointing, it means to paint. <laughs> it means to smear. Jesus was smeared. He's the anointed one. I can assure you, we spent a long time out in that foyer because there was nicks on the wall. Sister Stacy tightened them up. 
She said, Terry Bear, Terry, she said, paint them walls. <laughs> Terry Bear, <laughs> she tied you up, didn't she, brother? She said, get that paint. Make sure it matches and paint them walls. Why is that? Because there's a nick there. There's a nick in that wall. Amen. Hallelujah. They're getting anointed up here now, aren't you? Hallelujah. I'm telling you, you may preach one thing, but when the anointing's there, <laughs> amen. I said when the anointing's there, you may be preaching in right field, but somebody's over here in left field, and that paintbrush is just painting that. I said you're over there in right field and the preacher's preaching in right field but you're in left field oh but there's an anointed one in the house he's got the paintbrush out and I can tell you in this house tonight there's a paintbrush and I can tell you there's a painter what's he paint with the blood of the lamb and where there's a nick where there's a scratch I said the anointing goes beyond the limitations of the yoke and he's the anointing don't miss <laughs> there's not one place because if you came in this church and seen a nick y'all would never listen to that worship team tonight your eyes would be fixed on that spot <laughs> you're going to pick out the flaws you'd pick out the flaws in Pastor Lee but when he got anointed You'd pick out the flaws in this old drug addict. But then when the anoint came. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Oh yeah. You wanted to pick out that place that was wrong. But then something began to paint your life. <laughs> he began to paint things. And you begin to see. Well what I saw ain't there anymore. Let me look over here for a bit. It ain't there either. Well, let me look in the back. Well, I don't see a spot there either. Well, tell them to me like the anointing done hit the house. There's not anything left. No, the Holy Ghost of God has done anointed the house. Ain't nothing left undone. The anointing. He don't miss. Y'all still with me? You sure? Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost. <laughs> what is the anointing? It does what we can't do. I'll share with you the first time I really, Pastor Lee took me and David Bryan on a mission trip. He'll kind of leave you hanging sometimes. <laughs> we didn't know what we were doing. Boy, we was just ready to give everything to Ray. Pastor Lee said, Paul, hold on back. We was ready just to do it all. We're zealous, ready to go. But last night there, he sent us, he said, y'all get in the car with so-and-so here. We didn't know. Sent us off with a translator that had never translated. <laughs> he was in a nice church. Sent Shedrick to a nice church, air conditioner. We get in the car with people we don't know. I'm just saying. I don't know if that's really love. <laughs> Me and David Bright, we're headed down the road in Dominican. Here we go. I said, my God, where are we going? We get further and further and further down in the hood. Hey, man, prostitutes everywhere. Dope deals going on. We're trying to talk to this interpreter. He knows a little bit of English, but we're like, oh, God. 
We pull up to this church, no power, no electricity. Amen. We tried to go to the bathroom. It was a 55-gallon drum with a bucket in there. Jesus, no power. Thanks, Pastor Lee. <laughs> Sir, it did a whole lot for me. <laughs> I don't know if he's ever heard this story. <laughs> so we get down there. They run a generator out with an extension cord, and it was all beat up through the water and everything else. So here we are. Me and David, we start preaching. Amen. We're preaching. There's this little girl. She came up, and the Holy Ghost spoke to me. After that message, he said, tell her peace is going to come to her life tonight. And I, that translator's interpreting for me. I laid my hands on her. The moment that I did, she went down, and she started kicking and screaming. And I got rejected at first. I said, she wants me off her. She thinks I'm trying to hurt her. And I said, I'm not. And so I went to get up, and it was like God pushed me back down. He said, don't you go nowhere. He said, pray in the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you what. Love is a language that goes everywhere. Why do you need the baptism in the Holy Ghost? Because I can tell you, you may not speak what they speak, but let me tell you, the Holy Ghost does. The Holy Ghost can. When the anointing hits them tongues, ain't no telling what's about to happen. I look back for Brother David, and he's got little black Dominican kids all around me. And he's just laying hands on them. And I'm like, my God, I need my helper right now. And I'm down on that girl, and she starts slithering on her back like a snake. And I said, my God, I've never experienced this before. And the Holy Ghost said, keep praying in tongues. Keep praying in tongues. Keep praying in tongues. She slithered on her back like a snake, and I just stayed. David was still praying for them babies over there, and I'm like, I guess I'm not going to get any help. That little girl kept slithering. We kept praying. My interpreter was right there with me the whole time, and that little girl got against the wall. She couldn't go back any further. Her back came up. She let out a yell. That demon came out of that little girl. She began to cry. She began to weep. She got free. I'm telling you, the anointing of the Holy Ghost went beyond beyond anything that we could ever do. I'm fixing to give you the best part. We got in the truck to go back and greet Pastor Lee and them and tell them thank you. <laughs> and my interpreter that had never translated before, I went to give him $20 because Lee said, tip him. When I went to give him that $20, he said, Pastor, I can't take it. He said, because everything you were saying in your tongues... He said, you were saying in my language. He said, all I had to do was apply the blood to it. He said, all I had to do was apply the blood to it. He said, pray in tongues. Pray in tongues. When the anointing hit the Holy Ghost, my God, my God, my God. Hey. He said, I heard everything you said. In my language, all I had to do was apply the blood. The anointing breaks the yoke. <laughs> the anointing took me and that girl beyond the limitations of the yoke. I didn't know how to speak her language. Amen. I know Dios de Bodega. God bless you. Amen. In the nombre de Jesus. I didn't know nothing of that then. I don't need an interpreter now, do I, Jordan? 
<laughs> you, you hope it was good? Was that okay? Okay, no. I quit. <laughs> I'm not anointed for Spanish. I'll just speak in tongues. Lee told me I could all the time last night. <laughs> Carrie loves it. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Lee gave me permission. <laughs> the anointing. We'll tell Pastor Lee when he's in the Dominican to blow in his phone. Dry air. In Colombia. In Dominican. A storm was coming to Baton Rouge. They had already been flooded one time. And a big storm was moving in. Headed back to Baton Rouge and him and Carla were gone. They were in Dominican Republic in a hotel room. God spoke to Pastor Lee. He said, you take your phone. He said, and you command and you blow dryer in this phone. <laughs> he said, I felt crazy blowing air into my phone. He said, but God told him to do it. The next day on the news, he heard the story. Something happened to this storm. A sudden hurricane came on shore. Never rained. <laughs> they said, because dry air went into the storm. You can be in Dominican Republic blowing to your phone under the influence of the anointing. And even the weatherman said dry air came into the storm and it didn't rain. Don't tell me that the anointing won't take you beyond the limitations of the yoke, <laughs> the mantle. Whew. My God, y'all still with me? Amen. The second thing that the mantle does, I'm trying to hurry. The second thing that the mantle does is it brings authority. Can you turn with me to Isaiah chapter 22? I want to read you a quick story. The prophets wore a mantle. And you knew their authority by the mantle that they wore. It was a garment of camel hair, something of that type. Whenever Elijah came to Elisha and he put the mantle upon him, he offered him the authority to join him in the service of the prophet. And so it set him apart. But I want to read to you a story, man. Pastor uh, Stephen McKay preached a word this morning. My God. I'm facing a piggyback off what you said this morning, if God will help me. Y'all need to listen to that word. My God, it's powerful about fathers and sons. Isaiah 22, authority. Listen to this. Isaiah 22, verse 15. This is what the Lord, the Lord Almighty says. Go say to this servant, to Shebna, who is in charge of the palace. Shebna name means a tender youth. It means he's not mature. It means he needs to grow up and quit acting like a baby. Listen to this. What are you doing here? And who gave you permission to cut out a grave for yourself here? Hewing your grave on the height of the chiseling, your resting place in the rock. Beware the Lord is about to take firm hold of you and hurl you away, O oh, you mighty man. He will roll you up tightly like a ball and throw you into a large country. There you will die, and there your splendid chariots will remain. You disgrace to your master's house. I will depose you from your office, and you will be ousted from your position. My God. In that day, I will summon my servant, Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, 
I will clothe him with your robe and fashion your sash around him and hand your authority over to him. Eliakim's name means God will raise up. God will raise up. Some of us want to be spoiled brats in church. Some of us want to act immature and never grow up. Whenever fathers discipline us, we don't want to be disciplined. And so we run from that. And so here's what God will do. Fine. You don't want to wear this mantle of being a father? Then I'll give it to somebody that does. I'll give it to somebody that does. You don't want to grow up and be the man or woman of God that I've called you to be? Then I'll remove this robe of authority from off of you and I'll give it to one that will. Listen to this. Listen to this. My God. He said, I will hand your robe of authority over to him. He will be a father to those who live in Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. He'll be a father to the house of praise. God, let me be a father to a house of praise. You see, a lot of people can't be a father to a house of praise because we're too critical of praise. We were, we, we we're critical of others' worship. And so he says, here's what I'll do. Now listen to me. You can be a shibna if you want to and be an immature brat if you want to, but God, give me a robe of authority. I'm ready to be a father. I'm ready to be a son to a generation. There's too many fatherless children. There's too many orphans that are out there. My God, let us grow up, church. Let us become men and women of God. There's too many small brats in the church that call themselves fathers when they don't want to hack like it. They don't want to raise anybody up. They're afraid the son may become greater than the father we got too many fathers operating in an orphan spirit you won't raise nobody up here's the story here's what you're missing out on shibnas a robe of authority a mantle of authority Mental of power, listen to this. I will place on his shoulder the key to the house of David. I'm fixing to give you open doors, but the shibness and the immature brats, I'm not giving anything to. God's about to open the door tonight in this house. Listen to me. Listen to me. God's going to raise up some fathers in this house so that we can recover an orphan generation. Amen. We're going to see that tonight in this house. Amen. We're going to wash some feet in a minute of some orphans. Some fathers are going to raise up. Some mothers are going to raise up tonight in this house. Listen, some of us are going to receive the key of David. Listen to what he said to the house of David. When he opens, no one can shut. And when he shuts, no one can open. I will drive him like a peg into a firm place. My God, are you Are you ready to wear a garment of authority? God's about to take us. And he's about to drive us on firm ground. We're not going to be moved, fathers. We're not going to be moved mothers why because I can tell you there's a God in heaven looking over the banisters of heaven he said I'm tired of an orphan spirit ruling and reigning in my house I need some fathers and some mothers to raise up I'm going to drive them down I'm going to give them the key of David they're going to walk through open doors hallelujah authority 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 hallelujah let me tell you a lot of us have authority and we've taken it from granted. Judas was a man of authority. Matthew chapter 10. Look up what his name means. Peepole. 
Some of you can't be a father because you're too busy looking to a peephole trying to find something wrong with somebody. <laughs> Waiting on your moment to betray Jesus. But I got to get a team together first. Who can I get? Can I get this brother? Come on. All oh, Judas is here. Yeah. I found him at a weak moment. I got one to go with me. I wonder if you'll go with me. All oh, Judas. Boy, Jesus gave him authority and power. In Matthew 10 with the other 11, didn't he? He's looking through that people. I wonder who I can get to go with me. Ah, oh, let's just keep letting this orphan spirit roll in Who else can we get? You think we can get her? Because if we get her, then we can get what she produces. Life. Let's make sure that we get enough people. I'm looking through that people. Who else can I get? Let me get the weak. <laughs> Let me get some. Who else can I get? I wonder if I can get this missionary from Africa. You think if I get, because he's an apostle. Boy, if I can get him to join in this group of Judases, boy, we can get about 10 churches right here. Boy, not only now are we getting the region, but now we're getting the world. And here's what the enemy does. He just keeps the orphan spirit living. Because we're spoiled brats. Nobody wants to be mature fathers and see it for what it is. Thank y'all. And so what did Jesus do? Jesus washed his feet. But Satan entered his mind to betray. Jesus loved him to the very end, but in Acts chapter 1, the Bible says we got to cast these lots to find a replacement for Judas. Who will that be? It'll be Matthias. Judas' name means betrayer of his friend and peephole. Matthias means a gift of Yahweh. <laughs> the Bible says that Matthias was there from the very beginning. He saw him at the baptism. He saw the resurrection. He experienced it all. But oh, Matthias is a gift of Yahweh. I can tell you nobody ever heard about Matthias, but there was a mantle on him. He just was steady and he just walked with God. Oh, Judas wanted to always be known and said, I got the money bags. But he was always looking for a way to betray. But I'm telling you, it's time that you and I would kick that Judas spirit out of the house and that you and I would become a gift to Jesus and be who Jesus has called us to be. Amen. Would y'all come up and help me get out of here? My God, I got a lot more to say, but I think this will be where I close. Adoption. Adoption. Romans chapter 8 verse 15 Romans 8 verse 15 y'all still with me Romans 8 verse 15 these girls coming up listen to this for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. That we are the children of God. And if children of God, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be, that we may be also glorified together. <laughs> Listen to this. You're still with me. This is the most important thing that I'll probably say all night. People with an orphan spirit often walk in offense constantly. You live in constant rejection. And anybody, anybody tries to instruct you, discipline you, or help you, even in love, you take it as rejection and that they're hurting you and abusing you. 
you take it as abandonment. A person with an orphan spirit, you're often lonely. You isolate yourself and you're in constant jealousy of other people. The fruit of the orphan spirit that was produced out of Adam and Eve in the garden, they hid. An orphan hides. And it was produced out of their life because immediately Cain became jealous of Abel and he killed him. If you're constantly killing people in ministry, I'm sorry, sir, I don't care how good you preach. I'm sorry, ma'am, I don't care how good you sing. If you're in competition to who's singing next to you, ma'am, I don't care how big your church is, Pastor Lee. If you're in competition with me, or I don't care how God moves here, if I'm in competition with you, then I'm walking under the authority of an orphan spirit. I'm not walking in the full authority that I've been adopted as his son. I'm not in competition with the church down the road. I'm not in competition with New Smyrna Assembly of God. I'm not in competition with the church in Mississippi. I'm not in competition with Pastor Lee's church, FNT, down the road. I'm not. Why? Because I'm his son. God didn't call me to FNT. God didn't call me to New Life Fellowship in Crane, Missouri. He called Jared Jenkins to be his son and to walk in the authority of here. Because if I'm not careful, I can hide from God. And I can start becoming a murderer just like Cain. I can get jealous just like anybody else, and so can you. Some of you's in this house. I watch some of you. Boy, you've been stuck in your tradition. So you're like, I saw it. You wouldn't dare. Some of you wouldn't dare humble yourself and say, I've been walking in, a, in an orphan spirit the whole time I've been a pastor. I can tell you this. I'm going to tell you up till tonight, I have. I have. And I can. My wife will tell you, when I was looking at this, man, the Holy Ghost just broke me today. Because I can be jealous. I can be critical person that walks in an orphan spirit are constantly bitter, angry, and have fits of rage. Constantly. Listen to this. Men who walk in an orphan spirit have a hard time connecting with spouse, children, spiritual authority, and they'll never submit because they always think that they have to hide something. them this, they may take it from me. If I show somebody that I've got this, they may want it. And I may never get it back. And so it's mine. And it's mine. And it's my church. And it's my keyboard. And it's, it's my pulpit. And you're not getting it. And we'll do it all in the name of authority. It's mine. It's mine. You're not getting it. Because I've never had anything in my life. And if I let you see it, then you may take it and never get it back. 
my. And God said, no. Reason you never had anything. Because you blocked my blessing. You became a hoarder. You wouldn't let me give you anything. You wouldn't let me free you because you're so bound by the Spirit. Men operate. Pastors operate. We can't connect with anybody. Men with an orphan spirit, you can't submit to supervisors on the job site. Spiritual authority. Pastors, you always throw your sucker in the dirt and walk away. I'll go to another church. Think it's going to be better there? No. You'll hate that preacher too. I think one man told me. I think another thing Pastor Clinton would say, he said, People leave his church and come back. You'd meet them at the door and say, the same devil was in that pulpit when you left is still there. <laughs> He's still there. Still there. Just a revolving door. The problem is you don't want to get right. You want to suck your thumb. You want to carry around all your stuff. You're just like this. Who is that, Charlie Brown? Linus sucks his thumb and carries his blanket. Don't let nobody have it. You know what God wants to do? He wants to free us. An orphan spirit is jealous and insecure. Jealous of success of brothers. Serves God to earn the Father's love. Has a need for success and acceptance. And will do whatever you have to do for people that will never be intimate with you. They don't like you to begin with. And you really don't like them, but because there's somebody. I wish y'all would hear me tonight. I might be talking to the wrong church tonight. Use this people to fulfill your goals. You have anger and fits of rage, you repel children. Always in competition with somebody else. You have a lack of self-esteem and, and you identify your identity is in stuff, not him. <laughs> the more stuff you are, the more accepted you are. Am I helping anybody? The greatest depiction, I believe, of an orphan spirit in the Word of God is in Mark chapter 5. There's a man there, a demoniac. The Bible says no man could tame him. He was bound. He would cut himself. He was a mess. But when Jesus showed up, what the Bible say happened? He ran. He fell at the feet of Jesus. And I just know in that moment, everything he had held on to. The Bible said he fell at the feet of Jesus and he worshipped him. We got folks that wouldn't dare run to Jesus and worship him, but a devil-possessed man will and you won't. A devil-possessed man 
with thousands of demons? You mean he'll run to Jesus and worship him and fall at his feet, but your arrogance won't let you get out of your seat? The Bible says this. When Jesus set that man free, he said the Bible said he became clothed and in his right mind. And guess what? The people were afraid. I looked up last night. I was talking to Rafe and I felt the Holy Ghost unction me. I said, look up what that word clothed means. Anybody know what it means? He said clothed. Means a mantle. It was a garment. It was a mantle. People get afraid when a mantle of grace falls upon your life. When grace falls on you and you're no longer bound because that's the way you've always been. People say, What happened to that brother? What happened to him? He's not as needy as he once was. <laughs> He's not jealous like he once was. What happened to him? What happened to her? She's not addicted like she once was. What happened? There's a spirit of the orphan that was broken off. They're no longer bound by jealousy and insecurity. They know that they're accepted. They've been free from the demons. They've been clothed and they're sitting in their right mind. And they're falling to the feet of Jesus. And they're worshiping Him. Because He's worthy. 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 He's worthy, Pastor Terrell. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. You don't have to walk as an orphan any longer. You don't have to compete and compare. If you're pretty enough, if you're enough, you don't have to compare yourself. You don't have to compare yourself, brother. You lived your whole life wanting a father's love. Just want somebody to love you. Daddy, would you just say that you're proud of me? Why won't you tell me, Dad, that you're proud of me? And you've lived your whole life in full speed trying to make your father proud. But you've never heard it. You're just running. And now your father's running to you. And he said, come home, son. Don't live in regret any longer. You've lived in the regret of your past. 
the root of shame. I saw it today over your daughter. You didn't raise an orphan. (sighs) You didn't raise an orphan. The enemy wanted you to. (laughs) But she's not and she knows it. But the problem is you don't know it yet. You've not received him as your father to a complete where he's in love with you. Go ahead, lift up your hands, receive him. Just call him Abba Father right now. Tell him, come on, come on, there you go. Come on. There's some ministers in this house tonight. I want you just to be bold right now. I don't want to just come. There's a minister in this house tonight. I believe there's more than one that you've operated and and controlled your church out of this spirit. Every time somebody leaves you, you felt like, oh, oh. Come on, I want you to just come. Come stand right here. Be the example to this service right now. Come on, there's somebody here. I feel it in my spirit. Take the cuts away, he said. My God. Pastor Lee, will you come pray for Pastor Mike? Why you say, Pastor, that Mark 5 is a man with an orphan spirit because people with orphan spirits, cutting yourself didn't just happen. It didn't just start. That demoniac was cutting himself. Some of you have scars that you've hid on your thighs. If you're here tonight and you've been cutting yourself, young person, you hide it. You're walking in an orphan spirit. I want you to come. Young person, you're here. You're here. Somebody come lay hands right here on this man of God. 